0: Now, here's your host and career success expert, Rebecca Allen. Ladies, welcome on in. This is episode 28 with me, Rebecca Allen, and my guest today, who is Beth Miller, founder of Solify Wellness. She's a marriage coach, a teacher of psychology, and a consulting hypnotist. And I really wanted to get Beth on the show today because we were talking about this concept of how difficult it can be when you're going to work, when you know you're having relationship problems at home and how hard that is. And Beth's approach to working on marriages and working on relationships is to start always with you. So however difficult you find it and however much you want to blame your partner, she always starts with you. And that's what she's sharing today on the show. She's giving you all sorts of practical tips and advice activities that you could start doing today if you wanted to, to help you build your sense of self and to help improve your relationship. And the thing that's interesting about when we work on ourself, what in whatever context that is, it always has domino effects. So it's always going to have some sort of impact, not just on you, but on the people around you too. So let's get into it without further ado. I will see you inside. Ladies, welcome on in. Today we are joined by the gorgeous Beth Miller, who is the founder of Solify Wellness and is also a marriage coach with a difference. Welcome on in, Beth. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Me too. I'm really, really interested in talking about this topic with you today. So Beth, I think the safest way to describe you is a sort of a marriage counselor, or a marriage coach rather, with a difference. Can you sort of explain that a little bit for the listeners?
1: I love how you've coined me like that (laughs) because you're right. It truly is. I am putting a spin on traditional marriage counseling, marriage therapy, because I feel like marriage counseling, marriage therapy 100% has its place. Absolutely. And it's typically very much like a talk therapy. You go in and you discuss what's going on and areas you want to improve, which is a phenomenal strategy. I've taken it a bit of a different direction. So I start with the subconscious mind. So subconscious mind is this other part of your mind. Conscious mind is where we're always analyzing, planning, thinking all day long. But our subconscious mind is where we store all these beliefs about ourselves and beliefs about things in the world that drive our thoughts and our actions. So I really I work with women who are on the verge of divorce, some women who are just emotionally exhausted, they they're working so hard, they are doing so much in the house that they feel like resent resentful towards their partner, they feel unappreciated. And so I work with women who just they're not completely happy within their marriages. And I tell them you can really make a change and save your marriage on your own, even if your partner doesn't want to go to counseling or doesn't think anything's wrong. It all starts with you. And when we can do those inner shifts and that transformation, your whole marriage will shift too. So now I think that is super duper interesting, because
0: I think lots of people have that preconceived idea that a kind of marriage coach or a marriage counselor would help them as a couple, you'd have to both be there for you to get the outcomes that you're looking for. So can you talk a little bit more about how it is in your systems and in your approach to it, that you're able to work just with the woman in the relationship to help the relationship flourish?
1: Yeah, it is. It's a powerful thing. It's a great way that you can take your control back over your marriage. Instead of being in a place where you're like, I just don't know what to do. I feel lost. I feel stuck. Only my husband would talk nicer to me or my partner. If only my partner would talk nicer, use a better tone. If only they would hug me, kiss me more often, or we could sit and cuddle on the couches, all this, if they would do this. But it really starts with you. And how we know what to do is we start, I always tell the women I work with, it starts with awareness of every single emotion that you're feeling. Anytime you feel mad, sad, angry, like I said, resentful, embarrassed, shame, guilt, like maybe your husband's talking about stuff about your marriage to other people. If you're feeling kind of shame about that or embarrassed, anytime you feel an unwanted emotion, I call this a trigger. So every time you're triggered, that's the first thing you want to identify. And that's the biggest clue into some of those marriage issues that may be cycling in some unhealthy patterns within your marriage. So step one, anyone can do that. Start noticing when you feel uncomfortable with what's going on in your marriage or with your your kids too. They can be triggering too. We all know that.
0: (laughs) They absolutely can. So the thing that's really interesting, I think, about that is I can just imagine there are women now listening to this and they're saying, but look, it's not my problem. It's not my fault. I'm not the one who's causing this problem. So what would you say to ladies who are in that space who are feeling like they're feeling like the
1: husband's the one who has to do the work? Why should I be the one who has to do the work? Oh, what an amazing question. So, first thing I'd say to them is, why can't it be you? Why is it? Is it pride that's in the way? Or is it that you're just, you're so resentful of them that, you know what, they need to make an effort? I'm so tired. I've tried everything. So, I kind of throw it back on them and, like, why not? You want your marriage to work? If you're a 10 out of 10, I have another try in me. Why is it that you don't want to try? Plus, I feel like as wives, we are 50% of the solution, right? We can take our power and control back over our marriage, even if it's been because of infidelity, if the partner cheated, maybe the partner, your husband works so much that he's never home to even help or even like engage in the marriage. Mm. But what happens is when you can do that inner work, You can get to a place where, number one, I find it for the most part, all the women, their marriage is up level. Their husbands get to a place where all of a sudden you're not fighting anymore because you're 50% of that solution. You've done all your inner work that you're not engaging in these fights anymore. You're not feeling as upset or you don't feel the same conflict. And because of that, your partner feels so much more. They feel open. They feel more secure to have conversations with you they feel more seen, they feel heard, they don't feel like you're nagging anymore, or criticizing them. So when they can feel that from you, like the energy shifts within the house or the home, then all of a sudden the communication shifts too. And it's just amazing. Usually the relationship improves from there, but sometimes the women get to such a beautiful place that they're like, you know what? I'm worthy of more. I want more. I want better. I'm tired of being like pulled back and told not to do this. And it's just incredible what can happen. It's just the clarity comes, you know what you want in your life when you do that inner work first.
0: That is really, really empowering. I absolutely love that. I could see absolutely where the power of the work that you do would really have an impact because I think that we spend so much time sort of operating at the surface level, don't we? Where we are thinking we're doing things, we're thinking we're making an impact on things. And actually, you know, we don't have the tools ordinarily to go deeper and to understand ourselves more deeply at the level of values and beliefs and all those kinds of things that are so, so important in terms of our decision-making and how we show up. And I think it's so fantastic that you are able to help women really tap into that inner self, that inner place to learn about themselves more deeply first, because whatever happens with the relationship thereafter, like you say, sometimes those relationships will improve and sometimes you realize actually you're better than the relationship. Whatever happens, a brilliant outcome is that you've learned so much more about
1: yourself. It's so true in every situation, whether it's with our kids or our marriage or relationships with work, there's people all around us that are these mirrors. I love to call them mirrors. Um, they're here to teach us things. They're our greatest teachers. Anytime we're up against some sort of challenge or conflict. They're here to say to you, are you going to step through this with your worth or are you going to go into your old habits, which aren't in your, in align with your authentic self? So wherever a challenge comes up, you have to really go inward and figure out what is it that I truly want and what's holding me back. And it's okay if you don't maybe walk through that challenge just say it's um at work, your your boss is asking you to do some extra work. And you're like, you know what, if I really want to get that promotion, or I really want to show them that I'm doing well, or her that I'm doing really well, you know what, I'll put in these extra hours and like skip out on something with my kids. But that doesn't feel good. You feel emotionally exhausted because of that. You feel almost maybe agitated. You feel resentful of them because they've asked you to do this. You feel taken advantage of. And because maybe you didn't act from an authentic place, it doesn't mean that opportunity won't it present itself again where you have an opportunity to go through and you know what tell your boss you know what I can't I if I had more notice or you know what can we pass this on to someone else it's a great opportunity I wish I could take it on mm-hmm. and maybe you feel really nervous by doing that because you're like oh maybe now you won't or she won't look at yeah. me for this role later on. So it's so important that you really make your decisions from an aligned place with your values and not out of fear or scared of what could come. So it's just incredible when you can kind of go inward and realize who you truly are and what your values are, because so often in our lives, we're programmed, um, mm-hmm. depending on like what your parents did, where they did your dad work really hard. Did your mom say, you know what, you got to get good grades. You have to work really hard so you can get a good job and get paid well. These are all beliefs that are ingrained in us from childhood. And a lot of times they're not actually in a line with us, but we keep operating that way just because yeah. we don't know any different. Yes.
0: And you kind of want to follow your role models, which were, you know, originally your parents or your teachers. Um, You just kind of follow those patterns.
1: It's interesting, actually, what you
0: just touched on there, Beth, because um, obviously in my world of career coaching, you know, I work a lot with professional women in very, very kind of busy roles, very busy corporate professions. And What I've seen over the years is there can be a value shift that happens once you start really getting into your career and you start really kind of focusing on your own ambitions. You can lose sight of those other aspects of life. And, you know, you kind of get into that habit of working late, like you say, working harder and trying to prove yourself even more. And often when we have that imbalance in life, whatever that imbalance might be, other aspects of life will suffer. So what kind of advice would you give to, you know, a woman who might be listening, who knows that she's working very, very deeply because she's secretly maybe avoiding having these conversations about her marriage being difficult, about her marriage not working as she'd like it to? What kind of advice would you have there?
1: Yeah, I guess there's so many answers to this question, but <laughs> oh, where do you start? I guess the first one is, are you working hard to avoid something. I guess that's the first piece. Or why are you working so hard? Are you working so hard because you're trying to please someone? Are you working so hard because you really want to work hard? Like this is a time in my life where I'm okay with maybe not putting the time into my marriage, my relationship or time into my kids. And, or maybe it's really, you are avoiding something. So, um, I think you just have to really get still and be like, why am I working this hard and be honest with yourself. And sometimes that hurts. And sometimes you don't even want to admit it. But you really have to get still and ask yourself and um, the answers will come. You'll feel it. A lot of women, we feel it in our chest. You'll feel a heaviness in your chest. If it's not right, you'll feel like a sick to your stomach. They always say like it's a gut reaction. It is a gut reaction. There truly is. We have a nervous system that's down there. It's uh, part of our vagus nerve and it'll tell us when things aren't right. So it's so important to figure out what is it that you really want. And from there, when you can figure out what you want, like, is it a better marriage you want? then we have to look at our beliefs. Like, why are you not working on it right now? What are you scared of? A lot of times it's fear. Fear is what holds us back all the time. And the mm-hmm. thing is to make things better, we have to release that fear or just step into it. Because you know, when we've had to make difficult decisions, when you're on the other side of it, you're like, that wasn't so bad. Why yes. did I freak out about it? Right? So we really just got to take those. Pers- that's perspective. And Like I said before, everything's a mirror for us, opportunity for us to grow and get better. So within your marriage, yeah, if you're avoiding something, what is that tough conversation and why? Is it because I'm trying to think of a tough one here? Like, oh, for example, I was a people pleaser. So in my own marriage, my husband's always like, you can't take feedback, you can't take criticism. And I always, always, I was always saying, like, why are you so mean? And it was just because I was a people pleaser and I just didn't want to hear it straight from him when he wasn't happy with it, with me. I just wanted to. Make everyone happy, and it really, really hurt me. I took a lot of my, um, a lot of validation in my, in my marks in school, and doing really well in sports, and doing well within my career. That's how I fed my soul. That's how I like felt self love for myself. That's how I validated myself, and I realized. When I rely so much on my environment, actually, and it goes away, then I'm not left with anything. So, yeah, it's it's just incredible when you can figure out what your belief system is and what's driving you that isn't actually in align with you. For me, it was that people pleasing behavior um, that was keeping me out of alignment. So, yeah, then you have to just own yourself. Like, what
0: is it that I want? So you have to become much more focused on, OK, it's OK to want to work hard, but then you've got to work out, OK, are there any downsides to that? Are there, is, you know, am I losing out anywhere? as a result of doing that? Because I think often we can create these stories as to how and why things are as they are, don't we? We sort of say, well, I have to work hard because I have to work hard, or I have to work hard because I've taken on this new project, or I have to work hard because I'm trying to get promoted. But I think if we say to ourselves that it's all like that all or nothing space where this is the only option for me, I have to do this because of that, and other things are, you know, losing out of that, your health for one, you know, and your kind of downtime for one, um, as well as those relationships then you have to just kind of do that way up whether it's worth it and whether it's okay to do that mm-hmm. but yeah that's a kind of an interesting one but I think we do create these excuses around why things are as they are and these stories around why things are as they are to, to sort of protect ourselves and just to sort of uh, make ourselves feel better because ultimately you know life is quite challenging and we kind of have yeah. all the time to sort of soothe ourselves and to say it's going to be okay but maybe, you know, it's, it's about sort of sitting with yourself quite honestly and just sort of saying, look, is this okay? Is this enough for me? Is this good enough for me? Is this what I want, like you say? And I think that is this what I want question is such a simple question, and yet it's a really underrated, underestimated question because so few people do struggle to know what they actually want. So few people can just tell you exactly what they want so we kind of get trapped I think just doing and doing and doing rather than the being side what, yeah. what do you think about that as a, a way to think out of getting totally stuck and trapped in just working really hard and sort of avoiding
1: the big questions around your marriage yeah I think we both know this we've talked about this before but what is your why like sometimes you don't know your why. you don't yeah. you're like I, I'm not happy in my marriage but I don't really know what I want or with my career I don't I want to do better, but I'm not sure what job I really want to get, but I just know I want better than what I have right now. But it comes down to your why. Why is it that you want better? Is it for that external validation so that your parents are more proud of you? So you have that better like, kind of status amongst your friends and neighborhood? Like what is your why? And is it an external why or is it internal? Um, is it because you want to have more time for your family you want to work a different job or is it because you want to go on vacations you want to earn more money what is your reason for your why and what you want that's just one of your love languages we have five love languages yes. someone's more usually dominant one my husband's like physical touch for me i'm like access service so there's nothing sexier than him doing the dishes to me but what's my why that's <laughs> part of the reason that makes me feel loved right so that's why i want you to do the dishes it's not that i want you to be my slave that's yes. my why so i always tell people go to your why and hold that why tight because when times get challenging And sometimes you're like, why am I even married to you? My why was, you know what? You're my best friend and I can't imagine my life without you. That's why I married you. Mm -hmm. Um, So even if you have to put your why's on a sticker or a, a sticky note and put them in your closet or stick them in your like bathroom drawer, just so you can remind yourself when things are tough. Why did I want this job again? Why do I want my marriage? And this is my why. I'll come back to this. Yes. What's it giving
0: me? What values is it meeting? Is really the essential, Mm -hmm. the answer of a why question, right? I I love the love languages thing. I actually came across that in my early NLP trainings when we were talking about the word love and what love actually means. And it was really interesting, actually. So we went around the room with a group of us who were doing this training. I think there were eight or 10 of us in there, and we sort of talked about what love meant to us. So, you know, some people would say it's about being given gifts and some people would say, well, it's being told I love you. Some people would say it's about being hugged and physically touched, like you described. So it was really interesting because like everything, everybody has their own meaning for everything, right? What everything means to them is different. You know, often I think people can find themselves in relationships that are challenged when you are speaking a different language. One of you is expecting the hugs because you want to give hugs. So because you're not getting the hugs, you're not feeling love. And, you know, the other person might, like you say, be somebody who likes to do jobs, but the other person is doing dishes and stuff, when actually all that person wants is a hug. And it's really sort of small things like that, small shifts that you can make that can absolutely change how you communicate with one another and how you can meet the needs and the values of the other person. Is that an accurate way of looking at
1: that? Yes. and. I would like to reiterate how you said meeting their needs. Um, there's a saying kind of like you should serve your husband. I don't like the word serve because then you sound like you're a servant or you're just <laughs> doing things for them. It's one way. Well, but in a, in a, yeah. A, yeah, in a marriage, like you really, it is about kind of serving the other because you love them, right? It's like, how can I love you better? It's a simple question. And it, yes. sometimes when there's conflict, just asking like, how can I help you? What is it that I can do to help you or make you feel better in this moment? Um, and it takes all the the onus off of you and puts it all on them and all of a sudden they open up a lot of times like how can I love you better so definitely like what is it that they need because when I can help meet their needs and I'm the first one to do that they'll be open and reciprocating to wanting to do that for me too and then eventually just becomes like a muscle memory and then Things are so much better when you can like in that subconscious mind, we have these memories, memories from your past things that have happened in your marriage. But when we can reprogram the beliefs being like, when he does this, it means he doesn't love me or he doesn't like me or he's not respecting me. When we can kind of flip that script, flip that story you're talking about release the belief, that negative belief that's driving some of these unhealthy behaviors. Like he's so cheap that we can't spend more than like $400 at Costco. If I accidentally spent a little bit more, then he gets really mad. He's so cheap. So that's the memory. The memory is he got mad at me for spending too much. The belief is he's really cheap and that drives your thoughts. If you spend more than you should, you think he's going to get mad at you. So maybe you start to hide the bills and it turns into a cycle. But if you can go back to that belief around that memory is, you know what? I can see him for who he is. I can see his inner child. I can see that maybe he grew up in a home that really only spent the money they had. They didn't have a ton of money, they didn't have a ton of money, and they didn't buy like extras. They only bought what they needed, what was on the list. So now I can see him for who he is. I can see that his belief system is really maybe from a lack mentality, never having enough money. And when I can see him for who he is with his baggage, his shadows, then all of a sudden I don't feel as hurt and personally like that he's attacking me for spending too much. So it's so important to see where they come from.
0: Yeah, it's suddenly not so much about you and it's much more about really understanding him or or her as a partner and to see where they're coming from. So Beth, there's lots of things that you've covered today. And I think what would be really handy is if we could summarize maybe like three sort of top tips, if you like, that we could take away. So say, for example, you're in a situation and you're struggling in your relationship. You know that it's being compromised. You know that it's not getting the attention it needs right now. What kind of tips could you give to somebody who's feeling in that place who might be feeling frustrated, angry, that kind of thing to help her just sort of start taking those first steps out of that space?
1: Yeah, the first tip is really asking yourself, like just getting quiet, close your eyes and just ask yourself, do I want this marriage? Is this what I want? And see where that hits, like that gut, that chest. And is this what I want? And if you're like, yes, you know what? I have another try. I My why is he's my best friend or she's my best friend. I really want this marriage to work. The next thing is, if you want to make this marriage work, then I would suggest you start with that awareness, awareness of any emotions that are coming up that are difficult because these emotions are these massive clues into that inner work that you need to do. When you're sad, mad, angry, it's parts of you that are screaming out for either more love, attention, to be seen, to be heard. Maybe they're crying out for just forgiveness and some self-love. So these emotions are the jumping off point to doing all this work because all those emotions will lead to some sort of belief that's either keeping you stuck, thinking my partner doesn't love me, thinking that he yells at me too much, like just things that are down there. Like If he yells at me, means he doesn't love me or she doesn't love me. So when you can get to those beliefs through these triggers and through the emotions, that would be step two. And then I think three really would also be looking at your inner child. Like what is the baggage and what beliefs were you kind of brought up? Work hard, work hard to earn money, um, that like whatever the beliefs are that you're brought up with that there's a lot of societal ones too, just like. Go to university, get a good job, or don't it's too risky to be an entrepreneur. You work harder when you're an entrepreneur. You should just work for someone else and get a good pension. Like, what are these beliefs that you were brought up with, right? And challenging them, becoming a really big detective. And I guess the last piece would really be stepping into your authentic self. Who are you at the core, and what do you want? Because so often, we lose our identity in this whole process of other people kind of shaping us, molding us into taking this career or being this type of wife or this type of husband and this type of mother. So it's so important that you really connect with yourself and say no to things, like really say no. I don't want to do that because that's emotionally exhausting to me and I can't take anything else on. And it's going to be difficult. It's going to be hard because that's not been your mode of operating for your whole life. You've been people pleasing and doing everything that people have asked you to do because you know what, that's going to get you further and more respect and all that. So those would be my big tips. So identify your triggers, really look at your baggage from your past, and then step into your authentic self. I love that. Thank you very
0: much, Beth, for your time today. It's been absolutely lovely talking with you. It's such a big topic. I know we can't really um, do it justice in a podcast episode. But if you want to get more information from Beth, I'm going to put some of her contact details into the show notes so that you can connect with her. But also Beth has a free guide, three ways to save your marriage that you might want to download. You can get that by going to freemarriageguide.com.
1: Beth, maybe you could just share a little bit about that resource. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a great little guide with three proven ways to really start this process of saving your marriage. So some of those things I just talked about a minute ago about the triggers, the inner child, and identifying your authentic self, plus a few more. So check that out. And it's a great way to get started with this, improving your marriage, even if you feel like you don't need to save it, but things just aren't great. It's a really great guide to get you started.
0: Beth, thank you so, so much. That was just really, really interesting. It's always interesting to talk about subconscious mind and to see how we're actually, you know, creating our own outcomes for ourselves, even though we don't know it. So like I said, right at the beginning, I think even with the, with this work, whatever happens with your relationship in terms of the outcome of your relationship, the fundamental piece of the work that you do with Beth would be about really understanding yourself first and foremost. And I think that is just the most gold that you can ever kind of learn about yourself. So yeah, I just, this huge value in that. Thank you, Beth.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me.
0: That was such an interesting interesting conversation i i find the love languages concept really really fascinating that idea that you know you're just not talking the same language that you're just not sort of connecting on the same level and giving each other what it is that you actually most need and i think when we start sitting down with the people around us whether it's our romantic partner or whether it's friends or whether it's even our boss and we're having those conversations about what it is we need and what's missing from that relationship all sorts of useful information can come out of that and useful positive change too As always, I'd love to gift you my seven habits of female execs who get promoted. It's a fantastic tool if you're looking to get promoted this year. All you have to do is go to rebeccasfreegift.com and it will arrive straight into your inbox. And I will see you next week.